Hey everyone, Lindsay Rhodes here. Welcome to the NFL Road Show on the Friday of week 10. Looking ahead to the 13 games left this weekend and Monday with a special fantasy slant hoping to help you set your rosters and create the best possible DFS lineups for those of you like me who are sort of obsessed with that version of fantasy right now. If you're not, don't worry. Everything discussed here will be relevant to those of you in season-long leagues solely as well. I myself am in three season-long leagues, and two of them are run by my guest today, my longtime colleague at NFL Network and current senior fantasy manager at Sports Illustrated, my very good friend, Michael Fabiano. Hi, buddy. What's up, The Road Show? I love it. So cool. I'm happy to have you on. I'm Uh, happy to be here, my friend. So uh, you know what I'm curious to know from you? I mentioned I have been really into DFS these last few years. It's not really Mm -hmm. a form of fantasy that the NFL media group discussed that much when we were there. The focus was much more on season long. So I'm wondering what it's been like for you making that adjustment to your analysis now that you work elsewhere. Well, I've always kept tabs on DFS. You know, the, the NFL and their hypocrisy would not let us play DFS. Because so, it was a gambling form? Right. But I've kept tabs on it, and it's pretty easy to analyze when you do what I do or even what you do, right? You know it just as well as I do. So, But it's fun because you're bringing in the aspect of salaries and trying to fit the best lineup possible under or at 50K and DraftKings. And I used to do those for uh, game day morning with Rich Eisen and the guys uh, did a segment on that every single week. So uh, certainly very familiar with it. And I got to be honest with you, even between Twitter and my Sirius XM show, Fantasy Dirt, 99% of the questions I get are about just traditional fantasy, redrafts, keepers, dynasty, that kind of stuff. Not so much DFS, but I know it's, it's hugely popular. Well, I think the thing that I like about it is that, uh, I mean, since obviously you and I are both really immersed in this world, Mm -hmm. um, the thing I like about it is the challenge of the fact that it changes every single week, that you can come up with a brand new roster every single week. Whereas in season long, you've got the draft and there's that rush of finding the right guys and trying to put your, your lineup together. But then if you have injuries or whatever, there's always the, it's a challenge of trying to find the right guys off the waiver wire and and keep your your roster competitive. But in DFS, it's every single week. Who are the best guys with the best matchups and the chance to go off this week? And I, I like that challenge of having like a fresh slate every single week. Yeah, and I think a lot of people would agree with you there. And I think that's like the pro, one of the pros of DFS. One of the cons of DFS is like, you're not invested, right? Well, you may be financially invested, but like you're not invested in like your team for hopefully 13 to 14 weeks and maybe 16 weeks if you make it to the championship. There's not that investment, which I love. You can't yeah. make trades, which I love. I just made I one today with Jeff Garland. Yes, that Jeff Garland from Curb Your Enthusiasm. I love that kind of thing. Uh, wheeling and dealing and waiver wire and all that stuff. I love it, but I, I see the attraction to DFS as well. They, they, they both have their pros and their cons for me. Yeah, the, the con for me from a DFS standpoint that I could totally understand is that it's super time consuming. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you have to really kind of dig in deep yep. if you want to be competitive. Or in my case, you dig in too deep and you overthink it uh, by a lot. <laughs> and then it doesn't work out and then you're devastated for the I rest mean, of the you, week. But. You do that in traditional redraft true. too. I feel like we're all sort of in our own heads trying to figure out who to start and who to sit. Yeah. Well, it's it there's crossover obviously between both because sure. anybody that's a um a value play that you're going to go get, you know, on the cheap for DFS, which the beauty of that is you have to get a couple of those guys into your lineup every mm-hmm. week and so you mm-hmm. have to really kind of dig deep for that like third wide receiver who's going to have a good game or something like that. But uh that's always relevant in season long too because now you kind of know who has the best matchups and those are the guys that you go grab on the waiver wire, not yep. necessarily the guys who had um you know, big, big point production the week before necessarily. Yeah. And also too, like with DFS, you also, you want to kind of be a a bit contrarian at time too, right? Because like, you don't want to go out and play the guy that everybody else is playing, right? You want to try and find one or two players that are kind of low ownership players where you're like, okay, you know, these guys, if they go off, could potentially win me some dough here because 
they're not owned on a lot of DFS lineups, and that so so it all it all sort of is baked into trying to uh, have success in DFS, which is part of the fun. We've got a lot of big stories today uh, that are going to affect the fantasy landscape this week, so let's dive right in. It's time to break the huddle. First up, the biggest injury news of the week. Christian McCaffrey is not going to play against the Buccaneers. According to Ian Rappaport, there is some hope that he will be available next week to face the Lions, though. Also in that game, an under-the-radar guy whose presence could be massive, Ali Marpet, who is Tampa Bay's left guard. I know you're wondering, why are you talking to me about an offensive lineman? Well, he missed last week's game with a concussion and the pressure that Tom Brady saw all night long from the Saints. That was not unrelated. He is on track to play this week. That should help the Buccaneers get back on track tremendously. Speaking of concussions, it's looking like we're not going to see David Johnson for the Texans. So fire up Duke Johnson in fantasy. And uh, we're keeping an eye on Joe Mixon, who didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. Maybe another Gio Bernard game there for Cincinnati, though you might not want to play him in fantasy. It's a really tough matchup this week against the Steelers. Browns running backs have a better matchup against the Texans, and it's looking like we might see Nick Chubb return to the field for that one. He's been practicing this week, trying to come back from an MCL sprain in week four. As for some bigger picture news, the NFL announced this year's halftime performer for the Super Bowl fabs. You'll be disappointed to know it's not an 80s hairband. That stinks. It's not it, Molly Crew. Nope. Are you it's wearing an Allison Chains shirt as we speak right now? That's right, because yeah, Joe okay. Cantrell and Mike Inez are going to be on my show tonight. Well, they're not playing in the Super Bowl. Well, then um, I don't know if it's going to be worth watching. It is. It's the weekend. <laughs> That's going to be a great show. Who? So it'll be, it, stop it right now. What? The weekend? You know who the weekend is. I have, uh, Lindsay, I have no idea who the weekend is. The weekend yes, is Saturday and Sunday to me. I swear to you, I have no idea who that is. Ooh, the, I'm blinded by the lights. Dun, dun, I mean, you have dun, a dun, lovely singing dun, voice. Dun, dun, I still have no idea dun. what you're talking about. No. Stop it. My I'm, daughter I'm and I having... literally had a dance party to that song earlier this band? morning before it was announced. Okay, you're done. Um, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how the pandemic impacts that particular show, though, since there are usually, as you know, fabs, hundreds of people who rush out to help set up the stage in just a matter of minutes. Obviously, there are going to be fewer people in person there in the stands. So we'll see how uh, that impacts the way oh, the it's, show it's a actually guy. looks. It's a, 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 and it spells weekend wrong. It's week and D. I, I honestly got, I have no idea who this is. No, I don't even know what to this do. This dude you. could walk by me on the streets of Redondo Beach, and I have no idea who he is. I, I know you know who Christian McCaffrey is. Of course I do. The fact that he's out again. What has this year been like for you as a fantasy analyst? There are more injuries this year, right? Uh, it, it doesn't just like feel it. like it. It seems like it for sure. It's been a nightmare because I'm here to help people. And I'll be yeah. honest with you, there's some situations that we can go through some of these this week. I have no clue, no clue about some of these backfields in the okay, NFL. Do you, None. do you have a clue about the Panthers? So if so oh, it's Mike Davis. Not, sure. no, 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 I mean, I know it's Mike Davis, but do you fire him up? Because before Christian McCaffrey came back, he was not particularly uh, putting up great numbers. Like he looked great initially when McCaffrey went out, but then he was coming off back-to-back eight-point games before McCaffrey came back. But it's a good matchup. Tampa Bay struggling to contain pass-catching backs, which, of course, we know Mike Davis is. So what do you do? Play him. Volume is king. He had 15 and a half against Tampa Bay in week two. Volume is king. When McCaffrey was out, uh, Davis was getting about a 41% touch share. And Carolina loves to throw the ball out of the backfield to to their running backs. I mean, you have to play them like right now, like matchups almost are secondary to volume. Right. So I'll give you an example. You had but mentioned then he had the volume and he was putting up eight points. What do you doesn't do matter that? if I know I'm getting volume. That's better than trying to figure out which Seahawks running back is going to get the most touches awesome. because I know they're all going to Davis. Right. So like David Montgomery, he has not been good this year at all. Nope. Not been good. He didn't practice again today on Thursday. He's getting all the volume there. So you're playing him every week because you almost have to. Like, uh, And, again, we can go through this. I can name half a dozen backfields probably right off the top of my head. I have no idea who's going to lead those backfields in snaps and okay, touches. let's play that game. Okay, so let's start off with the Colts. 
I don't know if it's going to be Jordan. I don't know if it's going to be Jordan Wilkins. It's right. been Jordan Wilkins for two straight weeks. Jonathan Taylor's there too. So is Naheem Hunt. I don't know who's going to get the most touches. I right? kind of like the, I kind of like Wilkins in this particular offense, considering the way that the O line's been playing. And he's cheaper in DFS than Jonathan mm-hmm. Taylor. Yeah. So so there's one. So right? even if he doesn't produce as as much as Jonathan Taylor, you're getting more value for your dollar, which is also important in DFS. So okay, right. So, so we don't, but we don't know. Good point. All right, next up, Miami. It could be like one of four guys. Okay, yeah, punt, punt, punt. bike. Jordan Howard is. I mean, he fell into the end zone last week. He he's terrible now. They they were using solving Ahmed. Yeah. Right. They were using. Um. Uh, I mean, Patrick Laird, but Matt Breida might come back this week. And they also have DeAndre Washington. If Breed is playing, then he's the guy to play in fantasy. But I don't know right now. Look at Seattle. If Chris Carson can't go, Carlos Hyde's not going to play. And last week, DJ Dallas lost snaps to Travis Homer. They had nine touches total, and Homer played more snaps. So who's the better play this week? I'm not really sure. Look at the L.A. Chargers, okay? Joshua Kelly has fallen out of favor so badly in L.A., that a practice squad player, Kalen Balage, had more snaps, more touches, more fantasy points, right? Did you know Kalen Balage was on that roster part? No, no, I didn't. I had no idea. Not until I found out that he was activated off the practice squad. And also keep this in mind. So Justin Jackson's probably not going to play this week. But the week before, Tremaine Pope got more touches than Joshua Kelly, and he's back at practice. So is it going to be Tremaine Pope if Jackson can't go? Or is it Kalen Balaj? Or they go back to Kelly? Like, Lens, I have no idea. And I don't know that we're going to know. Tampa Bay. Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. I have no idea. I think it's going to be Fournette. He's been better the last two weeks, but I have no clue. What if Ronald Jones starts and goes off because Carolina's defense is terrible against running backs, and then they stick with the hot hand, right. and then it's Rojo? I don't know. And it's like this on so many rosters right now. It's just painful. What about so- the Rams? Yeah. Henderson not practicing. If Henderson can't go, is it Malcolm Brown or is it Cam Akers or both? So what do you tell somebody who has any of these running backs on their teams? Do you, you know, like what's your advice? It's obviously specific situational stuff, but just as a, as a big picture thing in DFS, we can just avoid these situations in a season long situation. There just isn't the depth as you are discussing here at running back. So if, you know, you've got certain guys. How do you advise people to kind of go about this situation of who to play in? First thing is you always have to keep tabs on the injury report. Always. So, for example, if Matt Breida puts in a full practice like on Friday, he's probably good to go to be the Dolphins' top running back this week against against the Chargers. So if, say, for example, Chris Carson doesn't practice on Friday, it's probably going to end up being Travis Homer and DJ Dallas. I'd probably go with Dallas first, but I'm not confident in that. So keeping tabs on the practice reports is very important. And then any kind of news that you hear during the course of the week, and uh, typically coaches are not going to give you much in terms of, you know, this, this guy's going to start and get the majority of the touches. A lot of times it's hot right. hand. Look at yeah. Indianapolis. It's hot hand. Jordan Wilkins has been a hot hand the last two weeks. Jonathan Taylor got in the end zone last week. They fumbled. That was it. What about Ronald Jones a couple of weeks ago? Started the game, was getting all the touches, fumbled, boom, didn't play the rest of the first half. And, and that's what we're dealing with right now. And that's why it's so important to get those running backs early in drafts. And that's why you're going to continue to see that because supply and demand. And we've got so many injuries too. Joe Mixon, right? Didn't mm-hmm. practice again. So Giovanni Bernard, who actually, Lindsay, has been better than Mixon, more consistent than Mixon since Mixon's been out. You know, you, you mentioned that the, the matchup's not good, which is true. If, if Joe Mixon's out, Gio Bernard is almost a must-start based on volume. Honest to God. I, I mean, Melvin Gordon had 16 points against the, the Steelers earlier this season. It's not out of the realm of possibility for a guy who's a featured back and maybe could give you three or four catches out of the backfield to give you 14 to 16 points. That's what we're dealing with right now. Volume is so important in running backs uh, from a fantasy perspective right now. What about... James Robinson. 
<laughs> so uh, I realize if you have him in season long and we've discussed yes. that there there clearly aren't that many options on the waiver wire this week, people are already racking their head, right? But okay, mm-hmm. let's say in terms of what to expect from him, if you are going to play him in season long, or if you're deciding whether you should play him in DFS, he's got Green Bay. Matchup's right. The matchup's right. Mm-hmm. Right, because they gave up all those yards to Dalvin, mm-hmm. and we know that if this uh, defense has a weakness, that is it. It is stopping the run. But do you anticipate a negative game script here that, in this that, game? That's uh, the I big, don't. That's I don't the see them question. running the ball at all in the second half because I think Green Bay will be up big. That's the problem, and that's what you have to factor in. And you have to factor in. Okay, well, you know what's his price, and if the price is reasonable, and, and you like the matchup, and the matchup is good, well, then you know Robinson is going to be worth a look. But that's the thing. When Robinson hasn't produced Linz, it's because negative game script. They have been getting blown out. Second half, they have to throw the football, and Robinson doesn't get enough touches uh, normally, or, or even touches that are in a spot where you know he's potentially in line to score. You know, goal line opportunities, red zone looks, et cetera, that kind of thing. So you have to play that all in. But like in in redraft leagues, he's been bananas good. He's the best rookie running back in fantasy football, and it's not close. And we had a lot of really good rookies come out of the 2020 class. You were very high on Clyde Edwards. I know. And Are you know you... what? He was really good until they went and got Le'Veon Bell and goofed the whole darn thing up. Like he was 12th, I believe, in fantasy points. He was top 12. He wasn't putting up like huge, huge numbers because he wasn't getting into the end zone. But his yardage was was, was very good. And I felt like that that – trend he would have been going up and up and up throughout the course of the season it would have been better and better and then they had to go get levy on bell and goof the whole thing up so now like even the glide he's an rb2 he drafted him in the first round he was trending towards being an rb1 but levy on bell ended up getting uh you know getting picked up are you listening to the weekends right now it looked like you were jamming no right i'm there reacting to you calling <laughs> clyde edwards elaire an rb2 it stinks right because that's what he is that's what he is. He's more talented than Le'Veon Bell. but And actually, he's playing like double the snaps too. But the touches are way closer, and that's a problem. Well, we will not see him this week because the Chiefs are one of four teams that are on a bye. Also, we'll not see the Falcons. Uh, man, the Chiefs and the Falcons, that's a lot of fantasy it is. Uh, players there. Mm-hmm. Also, the Jets are out and the Cowboys are out. Oh. So you we're not going to lose this from- week. Yes, that's so awesome. Although I am rooting for the Cowboys to lose every game the rest of the season. I was rooting for to the do Patriots. what to do what Fabs because I want a high draft pick. We stink. We need so much help on defense. We stink. stink. Okay, but you are not you are not in the tank for Trevor, right? Like this is not something that you're thinking that you're going to go do. Unlikely. Uh, well, because the Jets are going to win a game. Like I, I was rooting for the Patriots to lose that game. Not because I don't like the Patriots, because I wanted the Jets to win a game. But, I mean, you have, like, well, there's, like, four teams right now that are, like, you know, ultra crappy. You know, the Jets are the crappiest, and the Giants stink, and the Jaguars stink, and the Cowboys stink. So, but here's here's where it would get interesting, okay? So, Dak, Dak is probably going to command what? A lot. $40 million a year? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Say the Cowboys got the number one overall pick. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, but, I mean, it's just for, for fun. Rookie contract, best quarterback to come out of college. I mean, maybe since Joe Burrow, but whatever. I mean, like he's got every every bit uh, of talent, maybe more than Burrow. And put, rookie yeah. deal, yeah, right Five years, right. Five I mean, years. so I Super cheap. I, I know that Stephen Jones has come out and said, "Well, Dak's our guy," whatever, and I, I assume that he will be because I don't think the Cowboys are getting the number one overall pick. Right. But I tell you something right now, it'd be something to think about if they did. If they did. Let's let's play this out. Mm. Uh, so let's say that for whatever reason, they ended up high enough in the draft and that they ended up and going, uh, they went out and got Trevor Lawrence. Where would you send Dak? <laughs> well, Dak wouldn't be under contract. Well, right. right? Okay. So you wouldn't send him anywhere. So, but so where, maybe, who, maybe where does he like, end up? Right? Because like, there are a lot of teams yeah. that would love to have Dak Prescott. Maybe do like a little sign-in trade kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know how it would work, but there are a ton of teams that need a quarterback. I mean... I'm just thinking like off the top of my head, geez, Jacksonville badly needs a quarterback. He'd never go to the Giants. He, Well, maybe the Jets. The Jets are god-awful, right? So 
Uh, the Jets could be one of those teams. It won't or be even, NFC East even team. think of teams that aren't awful because he would be in a position to potentially choose this team. So then it could be kind of Patriots. exciting. Maybe the Falcons, maybe the Patriots, maybe the Saints, maybe. Oh, that one's interesting. The Saints would be interesting. If, say if the Saints got to the Super Bowl and Breeze rode off into the sunset, said, I'm done, I'm going. Oh, that, that'd be fun. And you know what, too? And I love Dak. Like, I don't know the guy, but from what I've heard, he's a great guy. And I wish yeah. him well. And he was great. And, and that team fell apart when he got hurt. Fell apart. So that tells you how important he is to the Cowboys. Uh, but in, in New Orleans with Michael Thomas, I mean, whoo, that, that would be a lot of fun. Alvin Kamara and then the Cowboys having Trevor Lawrence. It'd be interesting. I'll tell you that. I don't think it's going to happen, but that would be a fun hypothetical. It's a fun hypothetical to discuss. It is. All right, we're going to get back to week 10 here. Uh, Get your lineups looking good after a quick word from our sponsors. And we're back with some more roster help for you. It is Fantasy Friday. Okay, Fabs, we're going to start with the players that we love, maybe even more than usual because their matchups are really, really good, right? So uh, I understand that there are some people in season long you're always going to play, but even throw out some names that you just think we can expect even more production than we are used to seeing from them. Or you could go for the guys that we aren't used to seeing great production from, but uh, we might see that this week. Who are the guys that you expect have really big weeks this week because the matchup dictates that? Uh, do you have any quarterbacks in particular? Let's start I've there. I've got them all, Linz. I've oh, got them all for you, my friend. All right, silly question. And you can find it uh, on si.com slash fantasy, by the way. Uh, I'm not going to put any guys like, you know, um, start Stefan Diggs or Darren Waller in there. This actually is going to help you, folks. So I like two of this week. And, and quarterback is super deep, but the Chargers are not good against quarterbacks. I mean, they have given up, I believe – six 19-point performances plus, somewhere in that neighborhood, uh, to opposing quarterbacks. If Big Ben is active because of the COVID thing, you play him. Jared Goff has been a nightmare lately. I love Mm. him against Seattle. Love him. Seattle's defense is terrible. It's historically bad. But, 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 let me interrupt you there. Mm. Because we've had this discussion earlier this year about, like, a Matthew Stafford, for instance, who Mm -hmm. is hovering right around the same quarterback ranking as Jared Goff. uh, Goff is quarterback 18 in terms of fantasy points. He's averaging 17 points per game. So uh, he's not exactly blowing up this season. I know that the Seahawks' defense is terrible, but Stafford has faced some matchups like that and wasn't able to take advantage, Goff seems like that guy who might not be able to take advantage. I mean, there's been – I'm trying to rack my brain right now to think of anybody who hasn't taken advantage of Seattle. And I mean, they're giving up 27 a game to the, to the position. Six quarterbacks have had 21 or more. Six. How many games have they played, right? I mean, so, like, that that's a pretty high percentage. So, okay, I, so I you feel, feel comfortable feel with com- that. I would start Jared Goff with confidence this week, and I don't say that very often. Uh, <laughs> I also like Derek Carr against the Broncos. Broncos defense has not been playing well against the pass at all lately. So um, I, I feel like Derek and DFS could be a bargain. I feel like if you're looking for a quarterback off the wire this week, he is certainly worth a look. I like Goff better. Yeah. Uh, I like Roethlisberger better. But Carr's not bad. And then, like, I mean, you can yep, go down – what about the Broncos, Drew? the Broncos allowing an average of 28.3 fantasy points to quarterbacks in the last two weeks. They're getting lit up. And then what about yeah. Drew Locke? Drew Locke is giving you 19 plus two straight weeks. You know, he put up, he put up nearly a 30 burger or it was a 30 burger. It was close against Atlanta last week. Their defense is horrible. And and Raiders, I mean, their defense is not great. The, so, the so Locke, Locke thing though, the thing either. that, the thing I wonder about Locke though, is that a large majority of those 29 fantasy points that he put up last week were in garbage time. We love right? garbage they time. Right, they were, what? We love garbage time. Well, yeah, except can you count on garbage time against the Raiders? Are the Raiders going to jump out to a massive lead? Like the Falcons have that kind of offense, right? To put the Broncos sure. yep. behind the eight ball mm-hmm. where he has to come back and throw his way back into this game. And so, because that was one of the matchups that we isolated last week. Everyone play all quarterbacks who play the Falcons defense. And then Locke really wasn't able to take advantage until he was put in that position. Yep. 
I so, think, and, and you make a good point. I also feel like the Raiders have beaten the Saints at home uh, on yeah. their home field. They beat Kansas City at Arrowhead. They they beat the Browns in Cleveland, and the Browns are a playoff team. I don't think they're great, but you know they're they're trending as a playoff team. I think the Raiders are are, are a tougher team than than some people maybe giving them credit for. And I don't think the Broncos are very good right now. So I feel like that could be the scenario. But even if it's not, back and forth, I mean, Las Vegas, and they're not good against the run. I don't know who's going to carry the ball. I guess it would be more Melvin Gordon, but Philip Lindsay has been better than him in the last couple of weeks. But I still feel like that could be a game where you're getting over 50 combined points between the two teams. And to me, that, that should give me at least 18 to 20 from the quarterbacks. Okay, so another waiver wire quarterback that we should keep our eye on there. Yeah. We kind of talked about the running backs. We well, well, can th- talk about the running backs a little more if you want. Okay, Some well, stardoms. is there anybody that we haven't discussed? Well, because we didn't discuss the, like, smash plays. We talked but, about all of the backfields that we are concerned about this week. Yeah, so Antonio Gibson's a good play this week. He was back at practice on Thursday, thank God. I mean, if he was hurt, I would have been, like, in so much trouble in a couple of legs. I am leaning on him uh, big time. Do you think that that's Detroit. why his snap share was so low last week? He had a 44% snap yeah, share. I'm not sure if that were the case. The The football team loves to throw the ball, the J.K. Um, McKissick, which, which uh, J.D. McKissick, excuse me, which doesn't make any sense to me because Antonio Gibson was basically a wide receiver in college. Mm-hmm. But they're throwing the ball to McKissick. And McKissick is also in the conversation as a flex because of that PPR, maybe see, you know, eight targets. I'm going to see 14 again, like he did last week. But I, I do like Gibson. And he's given you 13, 14 a week. And I'll take that from my RB2 at this point. Um, and the matchup's good. So maybe you can get a little bit more from him this week. Uh, we talked about Mike Davis. Arizona's backfield is interesting, too, because Kenyon Drake, he might come back this week. And Chase Edmonds. Do, do you want to play Kenyon Drake? So, yeah. So uh, I, th- I, I, I think it's over, interesting in I that. play him over Edmonds. Would you? Yeah, I would. Edmonds didn't show us any. Edmonds last week had nearly 30 touches, 28 touches. He didn't even score 12 points. So, like, we we all talked about how great Chase Edmonds was, and this is the opportunity. He's done it. This is he's done this before, where he's gotten us all excited and he lays a lays a stink bomb out there on you. But if Drake comes back, I think Drake's going to be the guy. And like, you're going to see a splitting of the touches, but I think it's going to lean back towards Drake as long as he's 100. percent you know, if he's not 100%, then maybe that's going to be the difference there, and it'll be closer to 50-50. But if Drake is back, I'd still start Edmonds as a flex, but not with nearly as much confidence because 66 snaps last week, 28 touches. That's volume, my friend. From a wide receiver standpoint, there are some really interesting shadow matchups we're going to see this mm-hmm. week that I can't wait to see how they play out that maybe – put some really good wide receivers in a position where you might want to fade them in DFS or just lower your expectations. Um, but I don't know if, if nothing else, I know that they will be really fun to watch the, the one that stands out to me the most is DK Metcalf versus Jalen Ramsey. How fun is that going to be? I think it's going to be fun. And I think, I think DK is going to feed him his lunch. You do. Jalen Ramsey's like, he's a very good cover corner. I think he's beatable. I really do. He's allowed 79 yards in coverage since week two. Total, not average. I I, I would like to go back and see who the wide receivers are that he covered. I remember the game against the the Cowboys. Amari Cooper, I think he had 10 catches. Now, I don't know if they were all against Ramsey, but he had a pretty pretty good PPR game, right? And DK's a different dude. He's a beast. That guy's T.O. reincarnated, man. He is awesome. He's awesome. And, and he's crushed some other good cornerbacks. Yes. He put up 106 on Xavier Howard, 85 on Gilmore, 65 and, and, and on Tredavious White. playing great. Yeah. You know, look what he did to Nuke, right? I mean, like, so one of the ones that I was looking forward to seeing, and I don't know if it's going to happen now, uh, Jair Alexander against DJ Chark, but Alexander's still not practicing. I have that in my column. I may have to update that tomorrow if Alexander uh, isn't able to practice on Friday. DJ Chark's coming off a big game, but if Alexander's covering him, that's a bad matchup for Chark. But if Alexander is out, then DJ gets fired up, man, as the number one option there for Jake Luton. Jake Luton. Jake we all Luton. saw that one coming, 21 and a half fantasy points last week. <laughs> right? But no, you're right. And you know what would be great? I'd love to 
I'd love to be able to see, and I don't know that there's a website that does it out there. Pro Football Focus, uh, they do some stuff on there. But I don't know that anybody actually has someone or multiple people sitting down and actually counting every single snap that every corner is taking and who they're covering on all of those snaps. Again, I think PFF might do something like that, but there isn't one that's like definitive, right? For every corner in the league, that would be ridiculous data at some point. Uh, I'm sure it's going to happen. Maybe it's out there. I just don't know. So I want to know, for example, when Jalen Ramsey faced Amari Cooper, I want to know how many times Amari Cooper was lined up and Ramsey was opposite him and how many times Ramsey actually covered him, right? Or how many times there was maybe a bump at the line of scrimmage and then the safety took over and it wasn't actually like that kind of stuff. But that data is really hard to find uh, in specific terms. It's really maybe hard to like find Maybe that's like the highest stuff. pay tier for PFF. It could, it I mean, be, like the yeah. medium pay tier. It might be. It might be. But that data is really cool. But yeah, I mean, when you talk about it, like Tredavious this week, yeah. that's going to yeah. be fun. That's going to be fun to watch that's that. That's a good one. Right? They played each other last year in the wild card matchup. Mm-hmm. When D-Hop was with the Texans, he caught all four balls thrown to him in White's coverage for 70 yards and three first downs. And White, of course, is coming off a rough game yeah, he is. against Metcalf and the Seahawks. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that, that stuff is is uh, certainly important when you're looking at the wide receiver matchups. A lot of times, though, it doesn't matter as much because number one cornerbacks are typically covering number one wide receivers who are uh, hard to bench in fantasy, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. Right. If you have DK Metcalf in your season long, don't get cute. I don't care who, listen, Dion <laughs> could be covering him and I'm starting DK. Though, what do you, what do you make of Lockett's fantasy value at this point? He's trying. So he's got 156 fantasy points. The fact that I know this off the top of my head is scary. I'm sure I've lost some really important information, you know, that I should know because there's stats like just soaking my brain. Uh, 90 points in two games out of 156. That's that's a lot. He's basically done nothing uh, right. outside of that. that His averages are heavily burger. skewed. Yes, yeah. super exactly. super skewed. But and I thought last week, I thought last week was his game because right. of you know their slot coverage, and the matchup mm-hmm. like that. And then DK just came out and was like, "Nope, I'm the guy now." In case you hadn't noticed, and so yep. now I'm kind of inclined to think of it. Like that, looking forward. Like Lockett, Lockett's yeah, Lockett. going to make some big plays here and there. Lockett almost had the touchdown in the left corner of the end zone mm-hmm. there. No, uh, it didn't. It didn't work out. The connection there didn't work out. But here's the issue with Lockett. Lockett is you're, you're playing him because you're scared to miss out on the 37 point performance or the 53 point performance or the 28 point performance. But what you risk is the eight point performance or the nine point performance. Because that's what that's what Lockett's been. Like the, the first three weeks, he was far more consistent. And then he had that huge 37-point game. And then he had a stinker. And again, I'm just trying to think back to his game log. Then he then he went bananas. Then he had the 53, where he went for 200. And since then he's done nothing. But it's the fear, Lindsay, of sitting the dude out. who has the big game. And that's why he is always going to be in fantasy lineups regardless. You could say the same thing about the other wide receivers in that game who have a great matchup against the Seahawks defense in Robert Wood and Cooper Cup, who have more than their fair share of single-digit outings mm-hmm. this year. And, yeah, and Cooper specifically, he's the wide receiver 24 mm-hmm. right now. That's not good. That's not Cooper Cup. Robert Woods has been better, but and Cooper's banged up a little bit, but he's going to play this week. So I'll give you a stat here on Seattle, okay? So they've given up nearly 60 fantasy points a game to wide receivers, the position as a whole. Mm-hmm. So like every single week, whoever plays them smashes Seattle. That's why they're not going to the Super Bowl. Because you can't go to the Super Bowl with a defense that, that is that bad, right? They're giving up nine catches a game and 123 yards a game to the slot. That's a ton. It's, it's the most in the league by a mile. So as long as Cup is, is out there, and it looks like he's going to be, I have my top 10 wide receivers this week. I've got Robert Woods up there in the top 12. They're both, they're both in smash spots. Hell, I mean, 
if you want to get crazy, you could start Josh Reynolds in DFS this week. Right. That's how bad they are. They're if terrible. there's a week for him to break right. out, this is but it. Of course, it'll be like, you know, Van Jefferson or somebody else. And, you know, you're like, oh, no. But won't be Seattle's, the tight ends. Seattle's terrible. I know. Seattle that, has not given up a big game to a tight end yet this year. So well, go ahead and put and, those and guys Jamal down. Adams, yeah. And, and also, that's another thing. Store that in the back of your mind, Tyler Higby. Last year, there wasn't a better tight end in fantasy football over the final five weeks. And that five-week stretch uh, ended up getting him drafted as a top eight tight end in most mm-hmm. leagues. He stinks. He's had one game with three touchdowns and done nothing. He's so blocking. What am I, what am I supposed often. to do with that when I store that information, Fabs? How does that help me moving forward? Keep tabs on players who have maybe very strong finishes mm-hmm. at the end of this season. They might be overvalued. Small sample size. You know who the poster child of that is? Alex Collins. You remember him? He's playing for the yeah. Seahawks now. River Dancer. Alex Collins. Yeah, Alex Collins, that's right, had a stretch at the end of, I can't remember what season was for the Ravens, where he was really good. Like every week he was putting up numbers. And so he ended up being a top 50 pick the next year, and he stunk, right? And, and there's been others too. I'll go back to Zach Stacy. Remember him with the St. Louis Rams? It happens pretty often. And, and Tyler Higby is the most recent example of – Big game guy down the stretch was putting up crazy numbers was never going to do it again, but because the numbers were so good and people were talking about the Rams running 12 more, well, Higby's going to be good still. <clears throat> he has not been. Any tight ends that you love? <laughs> Did you see Hawkinson didn't practice today? Oh we can't, no, we can't have nice that's things. not good. By the way, today in in this world is Thursday. We're Thursday, on yes. Thursday. So, although you will be listening to this on Friday, that's right. So, hopefully, he will be back on the practice field. But if Hawkins is active, I love him. Okay, um, Austin Hooper could be a league winner the rest of the yep. season because Hawkinson. Uh, just to finish that thought, going up against the Washington football team, which is a thirty first. Very good matchup. Very good matchup. Tight ends. That's right. Uh, they've given up, I think, the sixth most points to the position. They're real so, bad. So Hawkinson's uh, a solid option. Austin Hooper is on the waiver wire in some leagues going into this week. And I was telling people, anybody who'd listen, you you need help at tight end, and a lot of people do, go get him. Three games before the ad, he had the appendectomy, double-digit points. Guess who's not there anymore? Odo Beckham Jr. Ooh, Baker Mayfield, 10th among quarterbacks and targeting tight ends, right? That's pretty high uh, because Baker doesn't like to throw the football deep because he's not really that good of quarterback. That's a different uh, story. But this is this is a smash spot for Hooper against the Texans. The matchup is right. I think he's going to get six, seven targets in this game. So get him in your lineup. Dallas Goddard, same thing. He was on the waiver wire. Now, he played before the Eagles by, and he stunk. And I don't think that should be used against him. He's got the Giants this week. Uh, they gave up 14 to Richard Rodgers a couple of weeks ago, who was replacing Goddard. And Carson Wentz is second in the NFL in pass attempts per game to tight ends. Number one, Derek Carr, uh, if you were wondering. So he is in a great spot. Eric Ebron, assuming Big Ben plays, the Bengals are not good against tight ends either. Remember, they gave up three touchdowns to Browns tight ends a couple of weeks ago, right? Uh, they gave up two to Harrison Bryant and then one to Njoku. So that's another good play and, this week. And also important there, Vance McDonald is in the COVID protocol, and those two, Ebron and McDonald, Correct. are the only two tight ends who have gotten a snap. Yep. They're in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So it Vance looking like he will be out for this game. And, and Ebron, yeah, Ebron Noah, could play the entire game. Yep. Noah Fant too. Which, you know, at, at this point, at this point, there's probably I mean, I don't even know if Mark Andrews is a must start anymore. There's two guys who start in every oh. single week. It's it's Kelsey who is light years ahead of everybody, kills out, and it's Waller, and that's Waller. it. And that's it. Yeah. Andrews has been awful, and it's not his fault. The offense is terrible. Did you did you see what Lamar Jackson said on uh, Rich Eisen's show yesterday? Yeah, that the defense has been calling out plays. That's a Greg Roman thing, right? I mean, they, they had mentioned that that had happened in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick when Roman was the OC there. So that's not good. I, I mean, so you got to play Mark Andrews because you're afraid of you know missing out on the two touchdown game, which may or may not happen. I don't know that you do. To be honest with you, I might I might. At this point, if, if I were a Mark Andrews owner and I'm not, I would probably put him on my bench. I would stream someone else in at tight end. And then if that game came, then I might chase the points. And I don't know that that's a solid strategy, but I'm just not willing to take a... You're braver than me. Like this week, I have Waller and Hawkinson ranked higher. And that's it. And that's it. Right. Fan, I, I mean, it's close. You know, fans pretty close for sure. 
Uh, Goddard's close. Hooper's close. But I can't – I mean, like, look at Hunter Henry. I, like, the one guy who hasn't benefited from Justin Herbert being a gunslinger is Hunter Henry. He's done nothing the last few weeks, right? Jared Cook had three targets last week in the first game with Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders back. That's a problem. The Niners are good against tight ends. That's a problem. Uh, Johnny Smith, who I thought was going to be a top five tight end, he's disappeared, Linz. I mean, last week he didn't get targeted until the fourth quarter. Thank God one of them was in the end zone. He got a touchdown, but he's not getting, he's not getting the ball at all. And now he's got the Colts on Thursday night, and their defense is darn good. So tight end's really difficult to fill right now. Jordan Reed? Maybe an interesting one Could be. this week against the Saints. Six Could different be. tight ends have scored against New Orleans. But to your larger point, it it it's a it's a weird year from a tight end standpoint because there really are only two that you can actually count on mm-hmm. for point production. Yep. And I've never streamed tight ends. Have you ever streamed tight ends? Uh, I, I've typically had at least one guy in my roster I felt relatively comfortable yeah. with. So I typically don't do that, but I will say this. I dropped Johnny Smith in a couple of leagues to pick up Austin Hooper and or Dallas Goddard. So I don't think that Johnny Smith is undroppable, even though he's uh, at a thin position, because I think Goddard and Hooper could be top five tight ends the rest of the season. Do you have any fades this week? Guys that you would normally play, but you just hate the matchup so much? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. We can start off with the quarterbacks uh, if you like. And Cam Newton was good last week, but that was the Jets. And Cam Newton's actually been good for two straight weeks from a fantasy perspective because he's Mm -hmm. been able to run the football successfully. Uh, He had 19 the week before the Jets game. I don't like him against the Ravens. Uh, This is not a game where game script is going to be in his favor. This is not a game where the defense is vulnerable to the run. So Cam, I'm out on. I'm Did you know he's tied for third in the league in rushing touchdowns and not at the quarterback position I'm talking about behind only Dalvin and Gurley? It's a great stat. Great it's crazy stat. because I have him in fantasy and it's not been good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. toying between the incredibly tough option of whether or not to play him or Drew Brees every week in mm-hmm. one of my leagues. And that's just... Drew Brees, holy cow. You know what? You remember You remember when Pedro Martinez was uh, pitching for the Red Sox and there was a press conference and he said that the Yankees are his daddy. Drew Brees is my daddy. Three weeks in a row, I hated Drew Brees. It was because he had his top two wide receivers out in a bad matchup. Then he had his top three wide receivers out. And then he was playing the Bucks. And three weeks in a row, Drew Brees has gone bananas. I'm done. I'm never saying to sit him again. Maybe. But play him. Whatever. He's got the Niners this week. So um, uh, Joe Burrow is a fade for me this week at quarterback against Pittsburgh. Uh, Kirk Cousins is a fade three touchdowns last week, but keep in mind he had 13 completions and only 12 pass, uh, 20 pass attempts. And you know, the, the bears that their defense is very good uh, at running back. I see it's so hard at running back because like you, you, you dance the line of being too obvious, which you don't want to do and giving people bad info. So Deandre Swift has got a bad matchup this week. Okay. Hey. The matchup's not good right? Uh, He's not even, the last three weeks, he's not even seeing like 13 touches a game. Adrian Peterson is still there. He still looms, right? Peterson's averaging, I don't know. I have no idea. Daryl Bevel loves him. I don't know why. He's still getting the ball. We thought there would be a swift breakout in the second half. Maybe it's not going to happen. The matchup's not good this week either against Washington. So I say Swift is a flex, but he's not an RB2, and he's certainly not an RB1, and if you have depth, you can sit him. Jonathan Taylor, same kind of thing. Last two weeks, uh, last two games for the Colts, it's been Jordan Wilkins. And I'm not saying the Titans are great against running backs, but that trend concerns me. So if you have depth, well, then Jonathan Taylor could be on your bench. Jarek McKinnon, same kind of thing. He's gotten, what, 11 touches per game the last couple of weeks, right? It's not a lot. But, I mean, the Niners are a mess right now at running back. So based on potential volume, I mean, I'd like to see more than 11 touches a game. But, like, he's a flex, but the Saints' defense is good against the run, too. So, and Jermichael Hasty is also in the mix. Same thing with Seattle, right? DJ Dallas. The matchup's terrible. The Rams are good against the run. If Chris Carson doesn't play, and DJ Dallas is probably a flex, but Travis Homer had more snaps last week, and they split touches. So, when you're well, it's, when, and that goes back to our early conversation, too. When you have some of these running backs or, uh, 
or wide receivers if somebody that is the one goes down and then they move in. And so we're excited about the increase in volume. Mm-hmm. And and that's happened a couple of times this year, running back in particular, where you go, okay, Joe Mixon's out, fire up Gio Bernard. Um, uh, Aaron Jones is out. Okay, fire up Jamal uh, Williams. This sure. is, um, but But then, you know, it becomes a situation where you're like, this is a backup running back. And this is a very good run defense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when does the volume overtake the matchup and when does the matchup overtake the volume? So, and I, I, I feel like, here. yeah, and I feel like there are some backup running backs out there that you can trust. Geo is one you can trust. Uh, we, we thought Alexander Madison was one that we can trust and uh, that didn't happen in that one game that Dalvin Cook missed, right? But I, I, I if, if Joe Mixon doesn't play, Geo is in my lineup everywhere I have him as an RB2 or a flex everywhere I have him just because of the volume. I mean, give me five catches, give me 80 yards scrimmage. That's 13 points. I'll take it against Pittsburgh. I'm going to take it because there's nobody else behind him. Samaj P. Ryan, I don't think so, right? But like in Seattle, they do have Travis Homer there. And DJ Dallas was fourth on the depth chart. Homer was ahead of him. It was Carson Hyde, Homer, and then Dallas. And then Homer was banged up. <laughs> I feel like watching the Simpsons right now. Uh, and it's the same kind of thing with like the Chargers, right? It was supposed to be Eckler, Kelly, Jackson. And then Eckler's out. It became Kelly, Jackson. But then they flipped the switch on us and went Jackson, Kelly. And then when we thought it was Jackson, it was back to Kelly. And then when we thought it was Jackson again, he gets hurt. And it's Tremaine Pope. Like, I mean, like, that's how it's been in some of these backfields, Lens. I'm looking behind you at your open closet with it's your Ezekiel Elliott jersey over your shoulder. And there's a Tony Dorsett one in there also. Style that one back. doesn't make you as sad right now. Uh, Tony Dorsett and Danny White are the two of the reasons why I'm a Cowboys fan. I love those guys growing up. Love, love, love. And the Cowboys were always on TV. So, like, you know, I grew up – like, my, my first year of watching sports was probably, like, 80, 81 – and like that was like when the Cowboys were going to the NFC Championship game and losing every year. And my first heartbreak as a kid was the catch game. Dwight Clark over Everson Walls and Cowboys lose. Would have went to the Super Bowl and maybe beaten the Bengals. And it's funny too because years later, I became friends with Randy Cross, who was one of the starting offensive linemen in that game. And Randy and I, it was funny because Randy and I were going out to dinner in, uh, in Florida when I lived down there when I was working for CBS. And my, my, my car at the time had a Cowboys license plate. He's like, you know, he's like, you know what, Fabs? I must like you to get in this car because you got a Cowboys license plate on it. And we had a conversation about his perspective during that play. He had gotten beat on the play. He's sitting on his butt and he watches Dwight Clark catch the pass. He's like, I had the best seat in the house. Isn't that cool? I mean, it sucked for me as a Cowboys fan, but it was cool to hear Randy Cross talk about it. It's funny. I think um, you and I are probably similar in this regard. Like you get into the businesses that we're in because you're a fan, a fan of football. Big time. And then we end up in these situations where you can have these conversations with people like that in your car. Yeah. <laughs> in your case. I know. It's so cool, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, and like my that's first... never been lost on me. It's There's great. every single time I'm like, this This is pretty cool that I'm sitting here talking to this person that my is first... like whose poster is on children's walls. That's right. My first fantasy league. All right. This was back in 98. 1998, kids. All right. I won the league. Okay, first time I ever played fantasy football. I had played fantasy basketball and baseball before, but I hadn't played football. 88. 98. Oh, okay. I'm like, uh, how are you you drafting that? I want to never mind. Okay, 98. I wish I was playing fantasy in 88. That would be awesome. On AOL dial-up or what? Yes, yes, exactly. You've got mail. Yes, exactly. I still have an AOL email address, by the way. I do. Uh, I do too. Yay. Okay. We're the ones. (laughs) I do. I have three. Well, one, one is AOL. But anyways, it's actually AIM, remember? AOL Instant Messenger. Mm-hmm. So that's how that's how uh, far back I go, right? But for, so now my I just first joined my, you in the uh, "We're Old" episode, right? Exactly, which you launched with your older, lack of knowledge about the older. weekend. Mm. I don't care about the weekend. The weekend is Saturday and Sunday to me, my friend. Give me metal. I want to listen to metal and hard rock and hair bands and all that good stuff. I want Motley Crue to be the halftime show at, at Super Bowl, not the weekend, who I never heard of. Anyways, so '98, I, I'm I. Hand to God, I've never heard of him before. I just looked it up online. Um, I believe you. So I know you do. (laughs) So so, um, my number one running back that year was Terrell Davis. He was my first ever draft pick. And of course, we worked with TD 
for a long yes. time at NFL Network. Last year, Fred Taylor was in the building, okay? I traded Michael Irvin and Jerome Bettis to get Fred Taylor that year. And I had TD and Fred Taylor. My backfield was jamming good. And I had both of those guys. And I was having a conversation with both of those guys. And I said, hey, guys, you are the backfield that I compiled in my first ever fantasy football league championship in my first ever fantasy football league. And they loved it. It was great. TD's like, do I get anything for it? No, I didn't get a thank you. Here, firm handshake. That's it. But it's just, yeah, it's very. You know what's funny for me is watching the guys when they transition out of their playing career. Because when they're playing, what you hear from all of them is, I don't care about your fantasy league and stop tweeting at me about your fantasy team. And then two years into their post-playing career, they all have fantasy teams. And, you and know that's, what? that's all they can talk about too. I will, I will take credit for many of them playing too. I, I got Kurt Warner into it. Mm-hmm. I got Dan Marino into it. I don't know if he's into it anymore. A lot of those guys, I started a CBS sports league when I was at CBS. Mm-hmm. It was Jim Nance, Steve Tasker, Phil Sims, Dan Marino, Bonnie Bernstein, Randy Cross, Brent Jones. Did Boomer play in it? I'm not sure if Boomer played in it either. Uh, but you get the you get the point. And like a lot of those guys that never played fantasy, I'm like, you want to play? Yeah, let's play. Okay. And whether or not they actually kept playing or not, I'm not really sure. But like LT, you know, I, LT, I had LT yes. in my celebrity league. I've had T uh, or I've had TV in leagues. Of course, Maurice Jones drew was big time into it, right? So, yeah, a lot of the guys are into me. I had Will Blackman on my show. I know he was on your show recently, too. He plays in a fantasy league. Like, they all do it. It's 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 so much fun. It is. And this has been fun for me, having you on the NFL Road Show for the first it. time. Babs, thank you so much. You're the best. Lindsay, uh, all the best to you. And I will say this, and it's not because we're pals. I'm always impressed with you, whether I am watching you on television, talking to you on your podcast, or just hanging out at the house, hanging out with you and Matt and the kids or whatever. Your knowledge of the NFL is ridiculous. And I I just respect you and adore you so much because you are so good at what you do. And I'm real happy that you've got the show going on. Continue to kick ass, my friend. Not my ass in fantasy leagues, but just Mm, ass in general. Can't promise. Can't (laughs) promise. (laughs) You're the best, Babs. Thank you.